afternoon. We're starting a little bit earlier today because we have the uh, the uh, Virginia Patriots, the Tea Party of Virginia, holding a candidate forum uh, this afternoon. So you're welcome to stay for that if you'd like. That's at 2 o'clock this afternoon. Let me just remind you a couple other announcements. Don't forget if you have juniors or teens going to summer camp, we need to get those registrations in today. Get those to me today. I'll make sure they get, you don't need any money today, just the registration form. They look like this on the back table, but I'll get them all registered so they get the early discounts. So get those into me today. And then men, don't forget we have our men's breakfast is coming Saturday, 8 o'clock in the morning, back in the fellowship hall. And if, you, if you're coming to that, please sign up just so we know how much food uh, to prepare for that. So if you have your Bibles, turn over to Psalm 42. Um, we actually looked at Psalm 41 this morning um, in, our, in our message, and I wanted to jump into Psalm 42 uh, this afternoon. Uh, now, Psalm 42 has some familiar verses in it, um, but I want us to set the, the stage for a little bit. Uh, you notice if, if your Bible gives titles, uh, your Bible says to the chief musician, Maskill, for the sons of Korah. Now, if you, if you know your Bible history, um, you remember Korah led a rebellion with many of the leaders of Israel against Moses. And if you remember the story uh, during the rebellion of Korah, the ground opened up and swallowed up uh, those that were being rebellious to Moses, and they lost their lives. Uh, obviously, the children of Korah did not lose their lives because here this psalm is being written uh, for the sons of Korah. Uh, so now we don't know, did the, did the children of Korah, uh, because this was, it would have been a song, did they sing praise to the Lord? Thankful for one thing, that they didn't lose their life in the rebellion? I don't know. We don't know. Um, we also don't know for sure the, the author of Psalm 42. Um, I would say, based on what the, the pattern and, and what is talked about, that it is almost for sure a Psalm of David, though it doesn't specifically say it's a Psalm of David. Um, a lot of them do, but this one doesn't. But, but based on, on the style of writing and, and what is being talked about, it, it fits into the pattern of many of the Psalms that David wrote. So, uh, but regardless, we don't know that for a fact, so I'm not gonna state that as fact today, uh, but I do think it fits very well with a lot of what David experienced in his life and what he went through. But let's jump into the psalm today and notice, first of all, point number one today is the desperate need, the desperate need. Notice what he says in verse one, very familiar to us, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. So we're talking about, and we sing the song, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. Um, and, and we sing about that deer panting for water, desirous of water, looking for water. And, uh, and it's interesting, you know, as many times as I've read that verse, as many times as I've sung that song, I have never thought, as one of the commentators I was looking at this week pointed out, why is the deer thirsty? Why is the deer longing for water? Well, probably in a deer's life, one of two reasons. Either it's suffered a time of drought and it's dying for some thirst, or it's being pursued by somebody that's hunting it down and it's looking for some refreshment along the way of its pursuit. Um, could be either one. We don't know why the deer was looking for water, but we know that a deer as an animal would is, is dying of thirst. It's thirsty. It's looking for water. It's looking for some refreshment. And, and, and if we believe, as I said, that David is the the person that wrote this psalm, we know that David spent much of his time being pursued. David spent much of his time away from Jerusalem because people were after him. 
And, and I think that's, and that's one of the reasons is we'll get down a little bit further in this psalm. I believe it's David because it talks about where he's at. And it would have made sense that David would have wrote this having not been in Jerusalem at the time, looking, um, looking for God and looking to be with God. And so he says, as the heart, the deer pants after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. And, and we understand the powerful image of thirst. Any of us that have gone for a long time without something to drink, we thirst. Um, I drink a lot of fluids in a day between the great drinks that you always see me run around with and water. I drink a lot in a day. I'm, I, I'm a very thirsty person. I've always been that way. And, and now that I'm a diabetic, I'm even more thirsty because everything dries you out. You want to drink more. But even when I was a kid, when I was young, I, I would sit down at a meal and drink glass after glass after glass. And I, I get thirsty. I get my mouth gets dry and I want something to drink. We understand that image of thirst. And the psalmist here is saying, you know, just like the image of dying for a drink, that's how much my soul longs to be with you, God. And if we get nothing else out of this psalm, the first verse tells us where we need to be in our life. We need to be in our life in a place where we desire to be in the presence of God as much as we desire something to drink when we're thirsty. You think about a hot summer day. I mean, when I'm out there sometimes when it's almost 100 degrees and I'm mowing lawns and, you know, I'll mow five, six, seven, sometimes I'll mow eight, nine lawns in a day. And boy, about the time I'm at that eighth or ninth lawn, I'm looking for something cold and wet. I'm looking for Gatorade. I'm looking for water. It doesn't matter. As long as it's cold and as long as it's wet, I'm dying for a drink. And I literally sometimes will take gallons of fluid with me when I'm out mowing lawns. Why? Because I get thirsty and I desire, there's a, there's a built-in desire in our body that says, I need something to drink. Well, we need that same desire when it comes to the things of the Lord. We need to have a desire to be in his presence. And that's what the psalmist is saying here. He says, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Spurgeon says this, he says, ease he did not seek, honor he did not covet, but the enjoyment of communion with God was an urgent need of his soul. He viewed it not merely as the sweetest of all luxuries, but as an absolute necessity. We would do well to learn that lesson, folks, to understand that it is of necessity that I, as a believer of God, spend time with God. That, that it's not just about what's going on in my life, but I need to spend time with God. Guzik, in his commentary, he, he makes three observations here. He, because David says, as the heart panted after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Guzik makes three uh, notations here, observations. He says, number one, he alone has life in himself and of himself. That's number one about God. Number two, he alone gives life. Only God gives life. And number three, he is, dis he is very distinct from the dead imagined gods of the heathen. And the gods there is little g. He says, listen, my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. Isn't it great, folks, to know that we serve a risen Savior? We sing, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. We serve a living God. And God is everywhere, but David had a strong desire to assemble with others. He says, my tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone 
uh, with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept holy day. David says, listen, he says, right now, I am not in the presence of God where I want to be. God is everywhere, but I want to be like I was before. He says, I remember the days when I went with other people to the house of the Lord to worship God and to sing praises to God. I remembered those days. But David's on the run right now. He's not enjoying that time in Jerusalem at the temple with other people that trusted in God. And so he's thinking about, notice what he says. He says, my tears have been my meat day and night. This had truly affected David. He grieved and sorrowed over the fact that, that he could not be in the house of God as he desired. And I think about this, folks, when I think, when I think about that, I think, how easy is it us for make, to make excuse for not being here? How easy is it to make excuse of why I'm not going to church this week? I got this going. I got that going. This has happened. This is happening. That's happening. Now, you know, and we make excuse. Why am I not in the house of God? And we just, we just make whatever excuse comes to mind. It's so easy. And David says, it grieved my soul to the point that I cried and it became my meat. In other words, I, I was so grieved I couldn't eat. I was so grieved that I couldn't be in the house of the Lord worshiping with other believers as I desired to be. And, and, and this is what was bothering him. He wanted to enjoy that. He says, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I have gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept holy day. David's saying, this is what I remember. I remember praising God. I remember going with others. I remember keeping the Sabbath. I remember these things. And, and because I can't do that right now, it's grieving to me. And then he says this in verse 5. The, the anguish, the, the, the painfulness of that memory of not being able to, to worship God as he wants. And then he comes down to verse 5 and he says this. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Now we know David. David was a man after God's own heart. But the Psalms are very clear evidence. You read all the Psalms that we know David wrote, and you constantly see this back and forth where David trusts in the Lord wholly, puts all his trust in him, but then sometimes he begins to question things, and he ends up always putting his trust back in the Lord, it seems. But, but we often see him question as he's going through the difficulties of life. And that's what I think we see here. He's, he's talking to himself, and he says, Why are you discouraged? Now, David's just been pouring his heart out to him. He says, listen, he says, I desire to be in the presence of God like I'm dying of thirst. I want to be there so bad. And I remember how it used to be when I used to be able to go to God's house and worship with other believers. And, and, and then he says, he, he says to himself, why, why am I so discouraged right now? You ever, you ever have conversations with yourself? I cannot be the only one in here that's ever done this. Why, you know, why, why, you know you're, you're, trying to, you're trying to think through something and, and you want to hear from the Lord and you're, you're just trying to, you're struggling with it and you, you start talking, you know, why, why is it, why, why can't I do this? Why do I have to do it this way? Why can't, you know, and you begin to have conversation with yourself and, and you begin to think through the, why it's ridiculous the way you feel. Why do I feel this way? And that's, I think that's where we find David here. He says, he says, why art thou cast down? Why am I discouraged about this? 
And then he says, then he says, oh, oh my soul, why art thou disquieted in me? He's, he's, saying, he's saying the turmoil that's going on in my life right now, this turmoil has disquiet, disquieted my, my, my soul, my spirit. In other words, I, there's something that's going on that is bugging me, and, and, it, and it's, it's disquieted my spirit. Now, folks, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but how many in here could pinpoint something in their life right now that has disquieted your spirit? Something that's going on that, that's made you, that you struggle with. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I venture a guess if I did, most of all of our hands would be up. We experience turmoil. We experience struggles in our life. Listen, I would be an absolute liar today if I got up in here and said that the last month and a half with what Joyce has been going through has not been a struggle for us. It has. There have been a lot of tears in the last month and a half. And they haven't all been from her, let me tell you. I've shed a lot of tears as well. There have been some really big struggles as we've gone through these health issues. You know, when we left Mary Washington that night that she almost passed away and we were loading her into the ambulance to head up to Arlington and the doctor at Mary Washington said they got to hurry up and get her up there so they can cut the rest of her leg off. That's what the doctor said in the emergency room. And when we got to Arlington, there was an orthopedic surgeon waiting at the hospital that had been called in at three in the morning to come in and amputate the rest of her leg. That's what we were facing. That's, that's discouraging, folks. Now, praise the Lord, that's not what happened because he slowed down and said, I don't think we're quite to that point yet. We need to take our time here and work our way through this thing and see what we need to do. And it may be what we end up having to do, but maybe not. And I thank the Lord for that calmer spirit that said, we can, we can wait a little. But folks, these are things to disquiet our soul. And all of us struggle with things in our life that we struggle with, and, and, and there are things that, are, that make our, our, our spirit, our, our countenance cast down. That's what David says. He says, why art thou cast down? Oh, my soul, why art thou disquieted within me? And then he gives us the answer in four words, and it's an amazing answer. He says, hope thou in God. Oh, this is the answer. This is the answer to the struggles I'm going through in my life. The things that have upset my spirit, the things that have drawn my countenance down, the things that are, I feel like are battled and, 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 and just coming against me, coming to me in, in when they shouldn't. And because David, you know, by rights, his son shouldn't have been after him to try to kill him. He shouldn't have had to be on the run like he was. Saul shouldn't have been after him like he was. But David spent a lot of time on the run from people. And, and, it, and it bothered his spirit, his soul. But then he says, hope thou in God. And notice what he says. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. What a beautiful thought. David says, listen, I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to hope in God. And I'm going to trust that there's going to come a day I'm going to see his face. I'm going to see his countenance, the countenance of God. And so David reminded himself for just a moment that he needed to trust in God, that he needed to, to do this. Hoping in God, for I shall yet praise him. You know what? In the moment, it wasn't a moment of praise for David. It wasn't. It was a difficult time. 
And folks, this is why I say we need to understand we need to have such a trust in God that when we are in the middle of the difficult circumstance, we know that we still need to praise God. Because if we try to come to that conclusion in the middle of it, that's not the time to come to that conclusion. The time to come to that conclusion is before we're in the fire. So that when we're in the fire, we can say, I'm still trusting God. Remember what Job said? What did Job say? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That's what Job said. He said, if God takes my very life, I'm still going to follow him. I'm still going to trust him. That's an amazing statement. Then David goes into verse 6, and notice what he says, a prayer. He says, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. So he was being honest. This was an honest prayer. He says, Lord, my soul is cast down. I'm beaten down, Lord. I've been, I, I just, I feel like I'm looking up. It's over my head. It's overwhelming. I'm beaten down. That's what he says. He says, oh my God, my soul is cast within me. Therefore, I will remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill Mizar. This is why I think David wrote this psalm. These would have been places north of Jerusalem that he likely would have fled to while he was being chased down. But notice what he says in verse 7. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and the night. His song shall be within me and my prayer unto God, the God of my life. David says, I feel like I am drowning. Though it feels like there's just water pouring down over me and it's beating me down. And I'm losing it. And then, and he's in the middle of this, in the middle of this, this despair that didn't seem like it would stop, like a waterfall. What do we think of a waterfall? It never stops, right? You go, you go, you go somewhere, you take a hike, and you go to some beautiful waterfall, and the water just keeps coming and coming and coming. And you think, where's all this water? Have you ever done this? Where's all this water coming from? I would like to know, you know, right? When Joyce and I hiked out in the mountains in Tennessee, and we hiked out to that beautiful waterfall way out in the mountains, I mean, that thing was just gushing. And we were there for almost a half hour, and you know what? It still was gushing. It never stopped. I'm like, where is all this water coming from? Because we seemingly were at the top of the mountain. So I'm like, where is all this water? And that's what David felt like. He felt like the water was beating down on him. He was in despair, and he was praying to God, and he was being honest with God. Listen, folks, we need to learn to be honest with God. We need to say, God, I'm hurting right now. God, I'm struggling right now. God, I'm beaten down right now. We need to be honest with God about where we are in our life. And that's what David was doing in this prayer. He said, God, my soul is cast down. I feel like I'm being buried under the water. It's never ending. But then he says, yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. David said in this prayer, he said, I'm being beat down, but I know that God's loving kindness is going to come through to me. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. And, and he goes even beyond that. That's what he says. And in the night, his song shall be with me. David says, I'm going to feel the presence of God day and night. Why did he need both of those? Because his soul was disquieted. I would venture a guess David was losing sleep. His soul was disquieted, and he needed God the God of his salvation. That was David's honest prayer. 
That brings us to point number four, the unending discouragement. He goes right from that prayer and unfortunately falls back into the discouragement just for a minute, kind of like we see Solomon doing in Ecclesiastes where he's always thinking with this earthly perspective and then every once in a while we see this heavenly perspective and he's right back to this earthly perspective. Well, here in Psalm 42, we see the same thing. David has just had this great prayer to God and he says, I know that God's going to come through his loving kindness in the daytime. His song will be with me in the night. And then he says this, uh, verse 9, I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? So now David's back kind of to the discouragement. He feels like God's forsaken him. God's forgotten him. He, say, he says, I, I, I will say unto God, the, unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? And, and, and it's interesting that even in his discouragement, David recognizes that God is a rock in his life. He, he says, I will say to God, unto God, my rock. David recognizes there's a place that I need to go, and it's under the rock of my salvation. That's where I need to go to. Psalm 18:46 said, The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Yet with this knowledge, discouragement at times can get the best of us. You ever felt that way, folks? You know that God's there. You know that God, Jesus Christ has promised to give us life and life more abundantly. But you're in the discouragement, you're in the trouble, and right now you feel like it's getting the best of me. It's getting the best of me. I know God's there. I know he's my rock. But I don't feel him right now. I don't feel his presence with me. I'm struggling. I don't feel it. And that's where David was. He said, I'm going I'm to call unto the rock of my salvation, but then what does he call unto him? To ask, why hast thou forgotten me? David felt alone at the moment. He felt alone in his struggles, alone with what he was going through. And so he says, I will say unto God, unto God my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of mine enemy? And verse 10, he says this, he says, as with a sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say daily to me, where is thy God? So David now lets us in a little bit of what he's going through. He, he's basically saying the enemy's out to get me with drawn sword. And he says, they're mocking me, saying, where is your God? I, I, I was watching a movie uh, and, uh, and there's some scenes that take place in the movie where, where there's a very difficult time in somebody's life and they're talking about trusting God and, and the other person in the movie is, is, is questioning them going, going, why are you trusting God? All these terrible things keep happening. And, and they didn't understand uh, the, the relationship that the person had with God, understanding that, you know, later on God's going to take care of these things. But David is feeling discouraged, and part of the discouragement is he feels like he's being mocked by those around him going, where is your God? You know, you trust God. Where is he? He's not here to help you right now. That's what David's feeling as he goes through this. He's reproached. That's what he says. He says, my enemies reproach me. They ridicule me. They make fun of me, asking me, where is your God now? Where is God that's going to help you? You know who likes to do that in our life, folks? It's Satan. Satan likes to do that, doesn't he? We're going through a difficult time, and what is Satan saying, whispering to you in your ear? Well, see, your God wasn't there for you. Your God wasn't there to help. Your God's nowhere to be found. Job said, though he slay me, though he slay me, I will trust him. 
But Satan's going, he's not there. He's not coming to help you this time. You're on your own this time. You're alone in this this time. There's no help coming this time. That's what Satan likes to convince us, folks. Because he's the enemy. And David says, my enemies, they're taunting me. The battle is still raging. Now, David knows ultimately he's got the victory because he's got God. But the battle is still going. And listen, folks, as long as we live on this earth, the battle is going to rage on. We are going to be fighting battles in this lifetime. The Bible very, is very clear that we are in a war between right and wrong. And we, if we're trying to live right in this world, we are going to be fighting battles ongoing. The battle between good and evil. And David's feeling it. And he feels the reproach. And he feels the verbiage of the enemy going, where's your God? Where's your God? Where's your God? And he comes to verse 11. See if it sounds a little familiar. Why art thou cast down? O oh, my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Sounds like another verse we just read a couple minutes ago. Hope thou in God. There it is again. Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Now notice, there is a change at the end of the verse. The verse is a direct quote of verse 5 until the very end. What does David say this time? He says... I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance. Remember the first time it was mentioned, David said, I, I, I'm going to praise till I can see his countenance. I'm trusting I'm going to see him again. But David now says, he says he's going to bring health to my countenance. He's going to lift me up. Why, why is that important, that change? That change is important because David is struggling in this passage. And he's already said that his soul is weighed down, his countenance is weighed down. He's down because of the struggle, but he recognizes that he needs to put his hope in God. And when he puts his hope in God, he recognizes the fact that God is going to bring health to his countenance. He's going to lift him up. And folks, that's where we need to go. In time of struggle we need to go to the God of hope we need to go to our rock the lifter of our head you can put so much terminology with it that's in the Psalms but that's where we need to turn during difficult times hope in God what a wonderful thought today. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day, for your blessings. Lord, I thank you for this time we've had just to share from this psalm. Lord, a very simple psalm, but oh, so powerful. Lord, if we could just learn to take to heart the words of the psalmist here and apply them to our lives, Lord, how much better it would be. Lord, I pray that you'd be with those that are in the midst of difficult times right now. Help them to turn to you, to look to you, to look for you, the lifter of their head. And Lord, we just pray that you dismiss each one of us safely today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Don't forget to sign up for kids for camp or the men's breakfast on Saturday. God bless. Have a good day.